Hello and welcome to Doatan. I'm Oliver Slow. This week, Doatan reports on the Thai border town of Mesot, where a centre has been established to support survivors of domestic violence. As well as organising a support group, the Freedom Restoration Project also holds parenting workshops for migrant mothers and visits migrant schools to teach teenage girls how to identify the signs of sexual abuse and to defend themselves. Jared Downing brings us the full story. It is a hot afternoon in an open-air cafe at the border town of Maesat, Thailand. I'm chatting with Ma Kim Myo, a 28-year-old migrant from Myanmar who's holding her toddler and telling me the story of her marriage. The beginning, she, she is not married yet. After I came to here, she got married. Kim Myo met her husband, another migrant, in Thailand, and they were happy at first. Then they had a few kids, and it was harder to make ends meet with her husband's job at the lumber yard. Life got stressful, their fights got worse, and he began to hit her. She married to her husband. At the beginning of one or two months, they are fine, okay. Until today, uh, she was abused by her husband for many reasons like a kick or a slap or a beat, something like that. Kim Myo didn't think her friends would help because husbands hitting their wives isn't exactly unusual in her community. And she didn't want to be called ungrateful or naggy. She was also worried that if she went to the police, they would find out her family was undocumented and arrest them. She knew that this meeting is about domestic violence. At the time, she was uh, like the abuse by her husband, and then she interested in this this meeting, so that she came and joined to our meeting. What she found in the end was this cafe, where later today her and about a dozen other women will gather to catch up, talk about their problems, and encourage one another to fight back. The support group is organized by the Freedom Restoration Project, a small nonprofit. My real name is Wacharapon and my last name is Gu, but I go by Sia, like Sia later. Sia founded the Freedom Restoration Project in 2018, but she has done social work on the Thai-Myanmar border since 2007, not counting a stint in the United States to get a master's in social psychology. Sia says most of the women come when their husbands or boyfriends are at work. Others tell them the group is just a social club. One woman has no idea where her husband is. He's been missing for 20 days. When I do like uh, group support, uh, group therapy or whatever, I think it's so powerful. Not because of the facilitator, not because of the counselor, but because of the people who in the groups that who have been through the same thing. They share their story, they share their fear and all of that, and then they kind of make other uh, support, I mean, other women in the group kind of like, wow, like, I'm not alone here. Sia runs the organization with her assistant, Ser T. Paul, a Karen woman. And in addition to the support group, they organize parenting workshops for migrant mothers and visit migrant schools to teach teenage girls how to identify the signs of sexual abuse and defend themselves. 
Sia explains that violence haunts migrant women at every stage of their lives. Most of them lack documentation and are afraid to go to the police. And even if they do, they're usually dismissed out of hand. Normally the, the police will ask them, like, oh, you know, you know what, you, today maybe you, you fight. But tomorrow you guys, you know, you guys are going to make up and you're still going to go back, be the same family, you know. It's going to, I mean, they think about the family unification, you know, like family to have husband and wife kind of thing, like mother and, and dad. So normally the negotiation will sometimes just end at the police station. Before Freedom Restoration Project, working with another organization, Sia tried to help one woman whose husband would force their oldest children to beg on the street and once branded their daughter's leg with a hot knife when she didn't bring home enough cash. The same woman suffered a miscarriage after a particularly savage beating. So when, when she was with me for a few weeks, you know, she told all the stories. She said, like, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm not going back anymore. You know, he's, he's so violent to me and to my kids. Uh, there was one time, you know, he broke my arms, you know, and another time he broke one of my front teeth, front tooth, you know, like she lost her front tooth. And then the worst thing that happened to her is that when she was pregnant, one of the babies, he, he, beat, he beat her until the baby died in the womb. See, his organization, an NGO called Compassio, offered the woman an apartment and other resources. But in the end, she just went back home. And she said, no, I'm not going back. I'm going to stay here. You know, I'm going to stay with you. you know. And then after physical, we're healed. Uh, after a couple of weeks, she went back. The ties that bind migrant women to abusive situations can go beyond money or legal standing. They are usually that, you know, domestic violence is normalized in their communities. And they don't even accept that, you know, intimate partner violence is the fault of the perpetrator. Sometimes they um, put in like fitting blame into the woman themselves. That was Suman Lat a gender-based violence program analyst for United Nations Populations Activities. Because, you know, for her to be able to seek help from the community, the community needs to be also, you know, aware of those intimate partner violence and domestic violence issues, and often the communities, they do not. She describes how a woman who resists her partner's abuse, be it physical, sexual, or even emotional, can be blamed by a community in which physical abuse is tolerated and even expected. And sometimes victims even blame themselves. Women even, you know, have the self-blaming attitude and they thought it is their fault. It is because, you know, they thought it is because uh, they don't do something, uh, they don't do like something wrong and they don't respect their husband. Also, there is a um, demography and health survey where domestic violence module is integrated in 2015. And then the survey also showed that uh, even women thinks that it is justified if that if her husband beat her, beat, beat her or for the one of the reason like if she does not cook well, if she does not you know do what her husband is saying, if she does not have sex with her husband and on those kind of reason, yeah. <laughs> A 25-year-old migrant from Molomyain speaks with me from the lawn of a migrant school where she attends Freedom Restoration Project's parenting workshops. She and her husband make a living scavenging for recyclables in the city dump, which looms in the distance. Tete U doesn't blame herself for her husband's violence, 
but she also doesn't think he is entirely to blame either. Life is hard on the dump, she tells me. Money is always scarce, and the city could evict them at any moment. She understands why her husband gets drunk sometimes and hits her, even if she hates it. C and I discuss Teteu's situation on the drive back. She has no sympathy for the husband. Not everyone who drinks abuses them. Yeah. And people who doesn't drink, some they do abuse their wives too. And like I said, uh, being poor is not the reason why there's violence at home. Maybe that will create more stress, you know. But that's not the main thing. It's more about controlling. Sia believes that learning to take back control, to recognize and use whatever power she has, is the first step for a migrant woman to escape a violent situation. For Kim Yo, this meant finally speaking up and threatening to go to their Muslim leader if the husband didn't stop hitting her. And for now, at least, the ultimatum has worked. Her husband hasn't touched her in months. But others who meet at the cafe support group are not so fortunate and must choose to either abandon their families and communities or live under abuse. But at least at the cafe, they aren't alone. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Doatan. This program was put together by Jared Downing and Zani. You can read the above-mentioned news and other interesting articles via Frontier Myanmar's website and Facebook pages, and you can share your thoughts on these pages. Please stay tuned for next Wednesday's episode and visit the Doatan Facebook page. The Project to Support Human Rights Reporting is a partnership between Frontier Myanmar and Fondation Irondel, funded by the Embassy of the Netherlands in Myanmar and the US Embassy. Thanks for staying with us and have a nice day.